I want to talk to you for a little while today out of Luke 22, 39 and 42. And I brought a friend with me to share his surrender story. He'll come up after a little bit. But Luke 22, 39 through 42 is our text today. And he came out and went as he, want, as he was wont, as he would want to, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the, at the place, he said unto them, here's a revelation from the word of God. Are you ready for it? If you have notes, write this down. Pray that you enter not into temptation. If you do not pray as a Christian, you will enter into temptation. That is the revelation from this word right here. Prayer is what keeps you from entering into temptation. Next verse. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will. Everyone say, not my will, but thine be done. Now let me ask you something. If Jesus is 100% God, can you be God and pray? No, you can't. Because God doesn't need to pray. But as 100% man, he could pray. He was releasing his will as Jesus, 100% man, to 100% God's will in his life. If God, if you have a God and that God prays, you need to go find the God he's praying to. Amen. <laughs> so Jesus prayed as a man in the garden. He was going to lay down that body he was in. And he was releasing himself. He didn't want to go to that cross. Who would want to die? But he decided that I would rather do the will of my Father that sent me. Amen. What he was saying is, I release myself to the divine plan of God. And if we don't learn how to do that every single day, we will miss some of the most beautiful things in our life. I wonder if maybe we could spend a few moments talking about the surrender of our life to God. Is that okay, Sister Carla? Is that all right, somebody? We talk about surrender to God. Let's pray. Jesus, in this place, we love you more than anything. We strive to keep you first in our life. But while we do that, we know there's a struggle in surrender. But I pray we stay in that struggle because there's a strength in surrender. Help us to understand it's not a loss. It's not a loss in your presence to be surrendered to you. It's not a loss in this world. Though it may seem like a loss, we know that we have victory in Christ Jesus. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I want to tell you a story to start. Is that okay? If I could tell you this story uh, without being too embarrassed, I would like to do that. But unfortunately, it's a very embarrassing story. And many preachers kind of freak out about telling embarrassing stories from the pulpit. But I have no such, you know, difficulty. I don't mind telling very embarrassing stories from the pulpit, apparently. But I was, I was about 16 at the time. And I was a junior in high school. And I think it was 16, maybe 17. Um, but... I went out that morning, and I had this routine where I would make, you know those biscuits where you, you open up the biscuits and they pop open? You know those? Like the, the dough, and you start to peel it, and it goes, and then, like it pops open? There was one lady that was shopping in Florida, and she had put the bags of biscuits in her back seat, and she got into the front seat. This is a side note, just in case you didn't know. We're having an ADD moment right now. 
I'll get back to the sermon. And she's sitting in her car, and it was a hot car because it was in Florida. And suddenly she hears this loud pop, and she feels something hit her in the back of the head. Someone had shot through the back window. She reached up and grabbed, and she felt her brains coming out the back of her head. And she's holding her brains in, and she calls 911. And they get there, and they look in the back, and they slowly move her hand, and they remove the dough from the back of her head. And they said, you weren't shot. You put cold dough in a hot car, and it blew up in the back and slapped you in the back of the head. Anybody know what I'm talking about, those little dough packages? Yeah. <laughs> the first reference at LifeSpring of Pillsbury Doughboy. There you go. But I had those made in little biscuits, and I had scrambled some eggs, and I put them in between, had myself a nice. I'm always talking about breakfast from the pulpit, Brother Moses. I don't know why that is. But I had eggs and biscuits, and I had them on a plate, and we were walking out, and it had snowed so much we couldn't get in our drive. This is Alaska. We couldn't get in our driveway, so we had parked on the road, and we had to walk over and then go down a hill onto the sidewalk, and there was glare ice on the sidewalk. It just looked like sidewalk, but it was actually ice. And so when I had my plate and my bag and my drink, and when I stepped on that sidewalk, I did like a five-foot lay flat in the middle of the air, just legs gone. I'm just laid out like this, and I've got that plate, and I'm thinking, should I try to save the plate, you know? Like this is all, everything just slows down and you fall. And you're like, breakfast, no. You know, what do, what do I save? Do I save myself or do I save breakfast? And I hit the ground and the plate broke. And while I'm laying there, it's not just ice. I suddenly realize my backside is taking on water by the gallons. And I have a big jacket to soak it all up. And I have, and my pants just get completely drenched in the back. Now my mom goes, Let's just get you to school. You're going to be late for school. So I'm sitting in the seat like sideways trying to not get the seat all wet. And we get to school and I get out and I go straight to the locker room. And I take off my clothes. You know they have those air vent dryers like, you know what I'm talking about in the bathrooms? And I take my pants off and I'm holding my pants off seat first to the vent. And everybody starts walking in for gym. And I'm like, it's not what it looks like. It's, it's I'm, I'm just trying to dry the backside of my pants so I can go throughout the rest of the day. And they're like, did you have an accident? What, what just happened here? I told you it was an embarrassing story. But I'm telling people as they come in, it's, it's not what it looks like. It's just water. It's not what it looks like. I'm trying to convince people that this is a different scenario than what they are seeing right now in front of their eyes. And sometimes we have to keep that in mind when we're dealing and walking with God is that there are going to be some places where it looks like defeat in our life. And you have to literally tell yourself, if I could segue from an embarrassing story to a very powerful concept in the Word of God, and that is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And God has given us the power to exalt him in our lives to a point where he is the one who's magnified over our problems and our troubles and our situations. And when we do that, we have a strength that comes from that surrender. And that strength gives us the ability to surrender in a way that we have never surrendered our lives before. We can literally look at the hardest situations. We can literally walk into the 
the worst kind of country as a missionary. We literally can go to places where they can't have Bibles and stuff Bibles in our coats and sew them in or put Bibles into beehives I've heard of. Literally having beehives in Russia where they put Bibles down in the beehive in Ziploc bags because they knew that the communist soldiers would not look in the beehive or they'd get stung. And that's where they kept their Bibles. There are ways and ingenuities that come to our surrender when we start saying, God, my life is yours. He starts telling you things to do that change the world, brothers and sisters. They turn Russia upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ while keeping Bibles that weren't supposed to be in Russia in beehives. I'm telling you, their surrender brought the gospel to other people. And if we can learn that it's not what it looks like, that that there's things going on right now in our world, and you're like, how is this ever going to turn back around? Seems like our world is spinning backwards, but I want to tell you, it's a setup for God to come back. It's a setup for his return. It's a setup for the gospel to go forward. It's a setup for him to do great things in our midst. Amen? So number one, I've got four, five points. I'm going to give them to you quickly because I might get off track. That happens. Number one, surrender is not easy. Surrender is not easy. If you're taking notes, number two, if Jesus isn't leading you, something else is. If Jesus isn't leading you, something else is. Number three, are you getting these? All right, I'll slow down. Do I need to repeat any of them? Number one, surrender is not easy. Number two, if Jesus isn't leading you, something else is. Number three, challenged faith leads to greater surrender. When your faith is challenged, it leads to greater surrender. Number four, everyone who walks with God wrestles with surrender. Everyone who has ever walked with God wrestles with moments of it not looking like what it is. When Jesus came to the earth, even the Bible says that if if the enemy of his soul, the enemy Lucifer and, and his demons would have known, they would not have crucified Jesus. Because when he died on the cross to his disciples, it, was, it looked like defeat. Everybody say defeat. How many like defeat? How many signed up for something that's going to fail? Nobody. But the disciples thought they were going to win and overthrow the government of their day. And when they did not, when Jesus went to the cross, they thought it was over. But really, it was Jesus not just dying for them and not just setting them free from the Roman government, but it was Jesus setting free the world. He was saving all mankind with one sacrifice, a perfect lamb. If you ever get lost in the woes of life, go back and study the lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world, and you will find hope, and you will find joy, and you will find a baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes like they wrapped the lambs so that they wouldn't damage themselves before they went before the high priest and showed them so they could have a perfect spotless lamb. Jesus was that spotless lamb wrapped in swaddling clothes, and a manger went to a cross tender brow prepared for thorn, back prepared for stripes, sin removed from our life, sickness because of stripes removed from our life. I tell you this, it's not what it looks like. When Jesus was getting whooped, whipped at the whooped, where did that come from? Down south. Uh, Jesus was getting a whooping. 
He got beat because he was setting us free from sickness, amen? It's not what it looks like, but by his stripes, we are healed. Do you hear me today? By his stripes, it wasn't what it looked like, but by his stripes, we are healed. When he hung on that cross, nails through his arms, it wasn't what it looked like. It looked like a religious leader dying for his his cause, but actually it was the Son of God hanging on a cross as the perfect Lamb of God given for us so that his blood, which is perfect, can buy us back so we can have life everlasting. Hello, somebody. Can you celebrate a Jesus who looks like he's dying on the cross, but three days later, he came out of the tomb saying it's not what it looked like. It's, it looked like a loss, but it wasn't. It was victory all the time. And I tell you, somebody here needs to hear a surrender story like that today because you feel like you've lost things, you've lost hope, you've lost encouragement, you've done your best to try to motivate yourself and still found it wasn't enough. You did everything you could, but it wasn't quite enough. I want you to know Jesus has a fresh surrender for you in this house today. And in your fresh surrender, there is new victory. Amen, somebody. It's not what it looked like. It looks hopeless. It looks like it won't turn around. But when you surrender to Jesus, everything changes because he's the way maker. He's the truth maker and he's the life giver. Amen, somebody. Did I give you number five? Everyone who walks with God wrestles with surrender number four and number five before we go any further today. If I can find it, have a lot of notes. I'll be willing to share these notes with you if you'd like me to share them. Surrender is necessary to do God's will. Unless you surrender to God, you cannot do his will for your life. So I I think it's good that we have a microphone for Jonica, and he's a friend of mine. I want you to know that Jonica found us online, and uh, he was just praying and seeking God, and he Googled, and he found LifeSpring, sitting on his mattress with Niagara Falls running down his cheeks, feeling God's presence, and just saying, hey, I know this is God speaking to me through a camera, amen? Through, through this, you who are joining us online, you can still feel God's presence in a living room, in a bedroom, on a phone, you can feel God's presence. And he felt God's presence that day. And would you join me, Jonica? He's going to share his story of surrender with us. And I'm just going to have him up here. Would you give him some grace and just welcome him as he comes up? He is one of the most humble men I know. He is in the top 100 percentile in the United States of mathematicians. He's taught at Marquette as a professor, but you never would know it just talking to him. Come on up here. You're welcome at this table. Amen? He's welcome at our table. Amen? Thank you. Just tell us a little bit about your story. And sure. Thanks for the opportunity. You may. Just keep the microphone close, okay? Okay. Um, Stay right in here. Okay. Um, you can tell he's a little nervous. So I I'll, just, can, I'll just stay here for moral support. Okay? Yeah, I can teach some more dynamics without any hesitation, but uh, this is about my life. You know, it's challenging and it's emotional. There's a lot of emotional moments. So, you know, that's, uh, so forgive me you know, if I'm going to break. Will you give him some <laughs> grace today as he shares? <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you. Um, I am from Sri Lanka. Uh, it's probably you have heard of it. It's a small island near India. Um, it's a very beautiful country. It's a good country to live. But um, I grew up there. There was a time we had a war. A war? Yeah, it's a war. 
um, like you know, between two ethnic groups. So it was a lot of chaos. We had a couple of years um, that we um, struggled a lot because we, we used public transportation a lot. So you would hop on a bus and uh, you have no idea that would be the last day that you would live because they had bombs buses in parcels packages backpacks they would so, bomb they would bomb the buses yes with, they with kill, bomb packages yeah they kill people like everybody dies if there's a bomb in the bus so um like i would like you know get up wake up in the morning and i would like you know get ready go to school or wherever like you know i take the bus and i look around is this the last day that i'm gonna live so that was my life for several years because i would look at could there be a bomb you know this be a bomb, and you know, like everybody was like so scared, including me. Mm. So one day, it was really close. I was saved from a bomb just because of a delay of ten minutes. Mm. It's like half a mile mm. away from me. Last Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I was saved that day. So. Can we just take a moment and celebrate the Lord saving his life by 10 minutes? The bus he was going to get on blew up. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't realize God's involvement because God wanted me to live, to do what I'm doing right now. I'll tell you what I'm doing right now later. Um, um, I didn't realize, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't surrender to God. I didn't even, like, you know, know what he did. I lived my life. We had free will, so I used free will, God-given free will, mm-hmm. to go away from Him. So that's what I did, and then I um, got into a relationship um, um, through, you know, um, societal measures, like you know, different ways and the cultures do different things. And you know, like probably you won't understand, you know, why I did particular things. Mm-hmm. So um, I got into that relationship, and then uh, I was abused, and by, back by then I was in the United States. I came here to do my uh, PhD, mm-hmm. and uh, I was um, uh, emotionally abused very badly. Like I slept in the bathtub, like you know, many days, and I couldn't take it anymore. I just wanted to take my life. I was completely broken. Yeah. So that night, like two o'clock in the morning, I, I, I wanted to end my life. Actually, like I didn't want to live anymore because it was way too much. This particular person would like bang the door and still like you know the bathroom, mm. let me sleep for days. I didn't sleep. So you would go into the bathroom to hide away. Yeah, because, because of I the could, abuse, and then they would bang on the door, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really hard for me, so I couldn't take it anymore. I was trying to end my life, so I got in the car and turned on the engine, and I uh, stepped on the gas pedal, and uh, I wanted to drive at 80 miles per hour and hit a tree or somewhere, object, Mm -hmm. without hurting anyone, just to end my life. That was the plan, and uh, I couldn't do it. I was stuck, like, at that point. Something changed. Like I, I felt God. Mm. No, this is not what you should be doing. Right. So that point, I realized there's something that I need to live for. Amen. Yeah. So 
uh, I realized God's presence. That's the moment that I actually realized I, everything changed from that moment. I didn't, I didn't do that. So I changed my life. Yes. Um, because by then I was I was doing research to um, to improve the efficiency of the the shuttle, like you know that like launch to the the mass or like the moon wherever. So like that was my work. Like that's not through a, through a NASA grant. Yeah, through yes. the NASA grant. So yes. that's not what God wants me to do. There's problems here that I need to focus into. So everything changed in my life since then because I surrendered. I realized, God, I see you now. I see your work. No, can we celebrate you, that? Yes, yeah. God stepped yeah. in and changed yes, his direction yes. from committing suicide. Yes. So he saved me. So and he used my mother, own mother, to um, get rid of that relationship. Yeah. Yes, I, I realized that also. So it was hard for me. I was still reluctant because I was. I was hesitating. Um, I, I didn't, like, you know, I wasn't sure if God is doing the right thing because I had mm. things that I have to leave to get out of that place. Would this be safe if I leave? Because I don't want to be there at the same time. I don't want to leave that thing there because I, it's precious to me. You know, like, it's, it's a place that's very scary, but there's certain things that you have to leave behind if you want to get out of that place. That's right. That's right. Yes. So that's right. I was so worried. And you surrendered that to the Lord. I did because... That is also God's creation. God will take care of it. Amen. I realized that. Amen. So I left. So I got that strength. And now, like, you know, from that point onwards, everything changed. My life started doing, like, you know, uh, volunteering work, you know, like helping people in Africa. And I started using my algorithms that I'm writing, right, to help people. So currently Amen. I'm working on that with the university uh, to, like, help kids, you know, who... Uh, who um, suffer from substance use, like you know how to get out of that. I use the right algorithms, and so that's the kind of work that I'm doing right now. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, <laughs> Amen. So, yeah. Let Thank me just you. jump in yeah. here, Jonica. Let me just jump in here. What he's saying is algorithms, and what you have to understand is Instagram and Facebook and other platforms of social media, they use algorithms to give you what you click on. So when you click on something... They start that algorithm starts feeding you more of that one thing, and these algorithms are built. Of course, we know the whistleblowers have come out against Facebook and said it's morally bankrupt. They have to. Do, they don't know what to do to fix it. But understand, social media is a very difficult problem in our society because of the algorithms that run behind the social media platforms that keep feeding you on different things, and these algorithms are built to lead teenage boys and young girls into addiction. You have to understand that. When a young boy clicks on a picture of a bikini-clad woman, he's going to get more bikini-clad women in his feed. And those things lead to links to pornography. And that pornography leads to links of drugs. You can buy pot. You can buy this. You can... Those algorithms are designed to take a person, to take a person and... Don't touch the bottom of your microphone, okay? Sorry. <laughs> He's messing with the antenna. To take a person and lead them into drug addiction through pornography. It's, it's, that's what the algorithm is built for. And the reason why these large companies are doing that is because they take a boy who is 12 or 13, get him addicted, and have a cash cow for the rest of their pharmaceutical life because they are either on a pharmaceutical drug or they're on an illegal drug for the rest of their life. 
We adults in here, you guys can handle this. So what they are doing is they're writing algorithms that enslave our children. And he is now writing algorithms to unslave our children. Yeah. I'm, I'm still working on it. You know, I'm trying. You know, it's a process. Down the road, you know, I'll somehow make it happen. So we get a lot of resources through the universities and through the government. And so I'll do my best uh, with the help of everybody in our team. Um, so, so, but I want you to highlight, uh, I want you to know, it's, uh, there's so many things that we, if you look around, we take, take so many things for granted. There's so much, like, you know, that we receive that we don't even know what we receive in our lives. Because there's billions of people in this world that they dream of having what we have every day, the things that we take for granted. So we, God has given so much to us. Yeah. So we need to understand, you know, what God is doing in our lives. Obviously, like I didn't say that for the time that I surrendered to him, I didn't succeed all the time. I had failures. But I knew my aim, ultimate aim, is to glorify God. So it kept me going. It kept me going. It keeps me going. So every day, I know I wake up. That's a failure because writing algorithms is really, really frustrating because you fail a thousand times and you succeed one time. So, so you need that. You need that final aim. So we, we know we are trying to glorify God. So we get that courage through those failures. Like every failure is actually one step. You get one, it gets you one step closer to the success, final aim. So that's like don't let that little failure actually keep you from succeed. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. God bless you. Let's give him one more big hand as he's done today. Awesome. Good job. Isn't that a great story of success? A great story of surrender? Amen. Don't you think the devil would want to take that boy out? If he's going to reverse things that are enslaving our children, he doesn't want him to succeed at this. Would you just extend your hand toward him right now? Would you just ask the Lord to give him everything he needs to win? Because we need our children. The next generation needs to know the power of God. Lord, we just ask you to help him in his work. Help him in his life. Thank you for his message today, telling us that every failure just leads you closer to success. We know that his life isn't what it looked like, but it actually is going to come to great glory in the fact that he wins for you, Jesus. Thank you for the purpose in his life, and thank you for keeping him, Jesus, in your precious name. And everybody said amen. There's not a few stories, not, not a few stories of great men and women of God in the Bible. There's more Jonicas like Jonica <laughs> in the Bible. I mean, John the Baptist, he believed and preached that there was one coming, and he made the way. He was... One of the greatest men born of women, the Bible says, or the greatest. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. He literally said, this is, he identified the sacrifice of God in a body. Amen. And then he gets in prison and in jail. He questioned if Jesus was the Messiah. Notice the struggle that's taking place in John. Everyone struggles. But you have to know that whenever you ask Jesus to help you in your struggle, 
he will send a message back. And he sent a message back. Jesus answered with evidence so John could hold fast in his profession of faith and win in the struggle of surrender. Amen. And he ended up being beheaded, but before he was beheaded, he was reminded that my surrender makes a difference, that I heralded the Lamb of God that would be slain from the foundations of the world, that the world knew him as Messiah because John the Baptist pointed the finger and said, this is the one. Simon Peter also struggled. One of the original 12 disciples, Peter, is known for his boldness. He was brash. He was out there. Peter would just talk when everybody else was thinking. He'd, just, he'd say, what? I'm just saying what you guys are all thinking. And he spent time with God, but he received the revelation from God that Jesus was the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this unto you. But whenever Simon Peter received that revelation, he received it just like all of us do that we receive the revelation that Jesus is the mighty God in Christ Jesus, amen? And once you see it, you can never go back. And Jesus predicted that he would fall or fail, but Peter's faith brought him back to Jesus, and his struggle of surrender reconciled him, and he was asked then to go and feed Jesus' sheep. And so we know that Jesus asked for Simon Peter, Elijah, him, anybody know this guy? Elijah is known as prophesying drought and sequentially being fed by ravens. Dirty birds got his zip code and brought him some food. And then the widow, fed by the widow before an epic challenge of the prophets of Baal at Mount Horeb. His faith moved the Lord God to answer by fire. Think about that for a minute. God evidenced his faith by responding in fire. And Elijah killed all of the false prophets and then prophesied rain. But when the king's wife Jezebel heard about all of this, she threatened Elijah's life and Elijah's humanity kicked in and he struggled with surrender. And as that, in at that, he ran for his life and under a, under a broom bush, as the Bible says, wrestling with his faith and his surrender, praying to die, the Lord responded with compassion by feeding him, correcting him in grace, and giving him a new purpose before he was taken to heaven on a chariot of fire. The man who called fire with his faith was taken out with a chariot of fire. Thomas, remember him? Called Doubting Thomas just because he had to see it. I think he just had strong enough faith that he said, until I see it, I can't just give myself wholeheartedly to it. But it's not what it looked like, Thomas, when he saw the hands and feet of Jesus and saw his side pierced, wounds that no mortal man could, re, could recover from. He knew that Jesus was a glorified body standing in front of him. And that same glorified body was able to reveal itself to him and show him that he was God in the flesh. So many other stories. You remember Gideon? Anybody know Gideon's story? Amen. Israel was in trouble they were approached, God approached Gideon and said, you're going to bring us out, mighty man of valor. And he's like, no, that's not even me. I'm not a mighty man of valor. I don't even know how to fight. I'm hiding behind a wine press. Where did you get your information? That's not correct. And God said, no, the angel of the Lord said, you will be. Go in this thy might. 
that I am an angel from God sent with a word from God, and that's all you need. You don't have to feel like you're good enough. You don't have to feel like you can or you're able. If God sent word, it's done. And that is what he was telling Gideon. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith, saith the Lord. Oh, the favor of God that can fall on somebody's life and grace that brings them to surrender can make them a great success. Amen? I want you to know that the enemy is confused. The enemy is confused when you live a life of surrender. Because while you're waving your white flag, hear me carefully, I'm closing. I know we've been long, but I think that story was worth hearing, wasn't it? It'll encourage you, I promise you that. David and Jonah and all of these different ones struggled with surrender. Mary and Martha, Lord, if you had been here, struggling with surrendering their brother Lazarus to the Lord, and he proved that he was the resurrection and the life. Because if he had stood in that cemetery and said, come forth, they all would have came out. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. He knows you by name. In other words, Jesus knows your name. And when the devil calls you by your past, God calls you by your name. Abraham and Sarah and even Jesus, in the passage that I opened up with the text, had to surrender himself, his will to God. So I want you to know that when you wave your white flag, it may look like defeat sometimes. It may look like you're having to forgive people that don't deserve it. Hello, somebody. Have you ever had to forgive somebody that was never going to accept that forgiveness and you just had to pull back and the relationship was going to be severed because they just weren't, they were toxic people. And while you're waving your flag, you're not waving your flag to them. You're waving your flag to heaven. Amen. You're asking for heaven to come down and work on your behalf. I forgive them, Lord. I will not hold it against them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You take on the the spirit of Jesus Christ whenever you wave your flag toward heaven. And the devil is confused because he thinks you're waving your flag at him. Come on in. I can't make it. When you get on your knees, he thinks he's one. But really, you're just praying, waving your white flag toward heaven. And heaven unleashes an army for your behalf, on your behalf behalf, and there's victory coming when you start to kneel and pray. When you lift your hands, the Bible says that it is weapons of warfare, amen, that you are lifting your hands to win a battle, and the enemy is confused because you're waving your white flag toward heaven, and he thinks, I've won, I've won, I've beat them, I've got victory over them, and he's so, he's so narcissistic, he doesn't realize that I'm not waving my flag to the enemy. I'm not asking for a parlay. I'm not asking for you to come in and us have a discussion about whether my kids are going to be saved or whether my lost loved ones are coming home. This isn't up for discussion. I'm not saying it's time for you to step in, devil, so we can have an agreement and I can have a compromise. I'm not looking for compromise when I wave my white flag. My surrender is not what it looks like to the enemy. My surrender means heaven step in. Lord, come down. Spirit, move. God, turn it around. That's what my surrender means. So when my hands are lifted, it's like Moses being on top of the mountain and having her and having Aaron hold his hands up because I can't lift my hands sometimes. I don't feel like worshiping sometimes. I'll just be honest. But when I step into his presence and I wave my white flag, arms lifted, the devil says, look, they're surrendering. And instead, it's me giving it all to God. It's me creating the victory on the mountaintop for the battle.
battle in the valley. Amen. My worship, my hands lifted, my surrender is not what it looks like. It's actually weapon of warfare. It actually wins the battle in the hard moments, in the struggles to surrender. It wins the battle in the valley. Would you stand in the high moments and just lift your hands and say, God, we cannot win without you. Would you lift your hands right now in his presence? Would you stand if you're able? And would you say, God, I cannot win without you. But I lift my hands over the battle. I release the battle in the valley to you, Jesus. You be the fighter. You be the victor. I don't have victory unless I have you. I surrender all. I surrender all. I know that when your spirit steps in, I'm going to kneel before you, God. When I feel your presence, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I want to go ahead and give my will over to a surrender. I don't want to wait till I have to kneel. I don't want to wait till I'm forced to kneel. But I want to recognize your presence is here right now, Jesus. And I want to wave a white flag in your presence. I wonder if there's anybody in this room that feels like they need to take a step for their family and have fresh surrender. If they would come to this altar and get a white flag, then you would take it home with you today, reminding you, please come if you want to and get a surrender flag. It's not just a token. It's not just a gimmick. What I want you to do is I want you to take this home and I want you to say every time the devil whispers in your ear and says you're losing, this battle is not being won. This is not going to turn out right. This has all gone wrong and it can't be made right. I want you to hold on to this flag. I don't care if you fold it and put it in your Bible. I want you to hold on to it and remind yourself it's not what it looks like if the devil is telling you one thing it's because it's actually another understand he's the father of lies and if he's telling you it's never going to work out sister angie it's he's lying to you because it is working out behind the scenes in the spiritual world god is setting up your victory and all you got to do is wave your lift your hands and wave your surrender flag toward heaven and say god i know i see something different i know it sounds like it's going wrong but it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like because as long as I surrender myself to heaven, God's going to win every battle in the valleys. Anybody been in a valley lately? I wonder if you could get one of those flags and you could just wave it to the Lord right now. Would you just wave it and make your surrender? I don't care who's around you. Close your eyes and just make your dedication to the Lord right now. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. It's not what it looks like. I don't care what the devil this is my surrender, my precious Savior. I surrender all to you, Jesus. Come on, lifted hands gives you victory in the valley. But you're not just lifting your hands as a weapon. You're also lifting your surrender to heaven. I surrender all. No, this is not for you, devil. You can get out of here. You can get out of my life. You can get out of my children's life. I bind you in Jesus' name. I plead the blood over my family. I know the authority that I have, but this surrender is for heaven. This surrender is for heaven. For heaven alone, Jesus. This surrender is to you. Just as you surrendered, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. I hold nothing back. Surrender all. Surrender all. Today's a day of surrender fresh. 
Listen to me carefully. If you have a family member that is wayward, that's away from God right now, I want you to take this flag as well, and I want you to wave it as surrender to the Lord. I'm giving them to you, Jesus. You may not be able to step in and say anything. They may not even listen to you. They may, there may be hurts and pains that doesn't, that doesn't keep them from being saved. Understand, God is the one that can step in. Why don't you put them before the Lord right now? Why don't you say their name and say, Lord, I surrender them to you. You're not able to carry that. Their choices are their choices, but you can give it to God. Come on, give it to God right now. My son, my daughter, my all. Lord Jesus, my children, I surrender them to heaven. Lord, turn their hearts toward you. Guide them and lead them. Relationships, the turnaround. It's in you, Jesus. Come on, surrender a loved one back to heaven right now. I know it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like they're going to turn around. But I want to tell you, it's not what it looks like when you surrender them to heaven. God will start working on their heart. God will start working on their life. God will turn them around. In Jesus' name, surrender all. Surrender all. to thee. Come on, sing it together. The precious Savior.